Hey all, this is a continuation of last week's podcast. We decided instead of just releasing one absolutely mega pod to split them up into two parts. And so this is just a continuation of our conversation last week. So I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to last week's episode if you haven't already. And so we'll pick up right where we left off right after our bumper music. Hello, my name is Connor. And I'm Jason. And you are listening to The Amazed and Perplexed podcast Yeah, I mean, I loved ev- everything you had to say, and I think it just leads naturally to talking about the even maybe messier part of, of all of this, which is funny because you would think the messiest part of this would be, um, you know, the situation where Elijah is taking part in this uh, wizard prophet duel sort of situation and then goes on to slaughter 450 people. That would be the messiest part. But then I go, man, is the messiest part in this situation the culpability um, and the accountability that God has for the people of Israel? Yeah. So, again, fantastic. And again, it's one of those funny things about our podcast. You always just end up leaving us. We, we end up being left in this place of like, it's messy. But that's the way it's supposed to be. It's, it's good. But moving on to the messier um the, maybe possibly the physically messier part of, of the whole uh, of the whole affair. Um, I am just really uh, I, I'm not sure what to do with it. And I don't think we can come to a completely compelling answer in terms of um, in terms of what is happening in the story. Um, but you have you have this prophet duel going on. Um, so you have Elijah uh, taking part in this ritualistic um these ritualistic sacrifices and you're doing you have elijah offering up this ritualistic sacrificial um battle of sorts and there is this weird thing where like this is what would be expected right so like elijah demands this of ahab ahab goes along with it you talked a little bit about the power and balance of is that why it's is, is that why Ahab goes along with it so quickly? Um, a part of it is probably like this is what is expected, right? This is what prophets of different gods in this time would do. Like you have these you have these uh, tests to prove who the real God is. So you have Elijah uh, participating um, in in totally fulfilling the expectations of what a prophet for a ancient Near East God would do. Then in the process, you have Elijah absolutely mocking, while Elijah is carrying out the will of God, mocking, um, mocking the, these other these other false prophets. Then you have Elijah, and it doesn't say that God commands him to. It doesn't say that he's compelled to by the Spirit of God. Elijah seemingly takes it on himself to go and put these people to death, and we don't get a... Um, a moral judgment on if that was good or not. Um, but yet it, it does seem there's so much complexity to this and messiness of the situation where you get this really awesome thing where Yahweh comes through and Yahweh proves that he is the God to be worshiped, to be respected, to be honored, to be um, to be placed on high. And yet in the midst of while Elijah is is doing all this, you have all this weird messiness and, and uh 
I don't want to say corruption, but you go like, man, there seems to be like there are some threads here that are not like fully in line with how you would perceive uh, a follower of Yah, a follower of God, to be doing something good, bringing about something good for human flourishing. I I, I totally agree, and I always go to if you had never read the Bible, and um, and you know, yes, ancient cultures function different than today. You know, so if you were to transport yourself to a, to a, an era where animal sacrifice is pretty commonplace, and that that's true, um, you know, but still the scene, you wouldn't think, oh, that's probably the one true God that's that's doing that. You know what I mean? Like like all these ingredients, the the um, the challenge itself. Like I think it is fascinating how much modern Christianity says precedent matters big time precedent matters we need to do it the way our forefathers did it we need to set up our worship our church building our structure our our all this and then the bible is like what's precedent mean because we do it different every time like mm-hmm. like there's not a single battle that's hardly even similar you know in the old testament and so the showdown is just weird by you know bible standards i mean it's not weird in the sense i don't believe it happened based on the same historical evidence that I believe any other part of the Old Testament happened, I believe this happened. But but when we think about if this had never happened and we were like, okay, how do you think God will solve this? You know, you got 450 prophets. I would think, oh, well then, you know, it's like Abraham. He's going to raise up an army of his people. Or it's like David is going to raise up an army of his people. And it's like, you wouldn't think, well, what he's going to do is he's not going to raise up an army. And you're like, okay, that's weird. And he's going to do a showdown where they call fire from the sky. Now, this part right here is mind-blowing to me on behalf of the prophets of Baal because you have two options. Either, number one, they've done it before and it was successful, hence their confidence. Yeah. Or they think neither of them will be able to do it. Or they like, what's the other option here? Because it's like, if you were like, okay, Jason, I'll believe God. I'll believe God if you can go out in my backyard and call down fire and it, you know, just burns up the whole space. I would immediately say, well, hey, that's that's not mine to give. You know what I mean? That, that's not mine. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm like, I don't know if that's within my power set or his power set, you know. And and I'm talking about on the on the side of the prophets of Baal, you know, uh, what are they thinking? Yeah. Like, like are they just thinking? I, I, that's just mind blowing to me, yeah. you know? Well, and I think it, I think it leads credence. And I and, and uh, if you want like a short blow by blow, there's been a there's been a lot of. Uh, Bible project podcasts and, and videos done on spiritual beings, um, drawing a lot on uh, a guy who just passed away, real sad, named Michael Heiser. Like this would lead a lot of credence for me to believe that um, that there is a real spiritual power that Yahweh is going. There is a spiritual power that the prophets of Baal had called upon before for something similar like this, and that spiritual power came through. And then there is a actual battle going on with this God between Yahweh and Yahweh is trouncing him um, because, yeah, like you said, it wouldn't make sense if they didn't think that this was possible, that they couldn't come through, that this wasn't something that happened, then they would have to, all 450 would have to be just drunk out of their minds or like high key delusional. Otherwise, this story doesn't make any sense at all. Exactly right. Yeah. And and you, you framed it exactly right. That's exactly what I was thinking is. They are committed. You know, I, I can remember having a discussion with somebody and they're like, man, I really respect, this goes back to 9-11, I really respect the commitment the terrorists showed when they, you know, got into that airplane knowing they were going to die. 
And I'm like, okay, I'll give you that. It's delusional from my vantage point, and I don't think there's any truth. And, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. even if there was no loss of life, even if it was just them committing suicide to please their God, I'm like, I just, I don't believe that's true. But I can recognize you're really sold out to this. Yeah, they you know, like, they believe it. You're not half-hearted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what you see here. These guys believe fully their efforts would lead to fire coming down and setting it on fire, you know? And um, so he, like, this didn't come from nowhere. The other thing that's interesting is we don't have the interaction, which doesn't mean it did not happen, but we don't have the interaction of God pulling Elijah's side. And many times we do with other situations where God pulls Moses' side. He's like, hey, here's exactly what we're going to do, you know? Where did this come from, you know? And, and I think it's very possible that God pulled him aside and said, hey, here's what I want you to say. It's also very possible that God's like, hey, you know how this goes with these guys. This is exactly what they're going to ask for. And I'm like, don't be afraid of it. Because mm-hmm. though we don't know the history of, well, I guess this is not quite fair, but we don't know the history of the prophets of Baal. We do know enough about the history of Elijah versus what's revealed in the scriptures that this has not happened before. You know, so then we're like, where did he get his confidence which really sets up what happens next chapter. Yeah, you know? that's good. And, and it's like, because I can talk all day about, hey, here's what God can do. But if you're like, okay, show me one thing. I'm like, uh, you know, I'm talking so, about even stuff that I've witnessed in my sure. life. So here's, a, and again, this we can't know this for sure. So I'm not like saying this is what happened. I'm just saying, here's a possibility. Had Elijah seen prophets of Baal do this before? And he goes, my God's more powerful than that. I, I can beat them at their own game that I've seen them already accomplish. Yes. Like, I'm not saying that's, that I, but I think that's a reasonable possibility to, to think as a, like, that could be where this comes from. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So then I'm like, and I'm always about, how do I apply this in my life? But when you pray fervently for someone to be healed of cancer, you know, I've got several people in my life that have cancer. And so we're praying for them. And then when one calls you and said, hey, I, I am in remission, it, it's gone. I mean, they don't know what to think exactly. They're like, that's fantastic. I give God glory for that. Then I have another friend get cancer. Do I immediately say, oh, you're going to be fine? Yeah. Because I prayed for this. I've seen it happen before. I think we work the opposite way. I think subconsciously we think it worked for person A. Hmm. It's probably not going to work for – I don't know of a person that yeah. doesn't think if it's going well, the other shoe's going to drop. Yeah. And I think that kind of plays out here. Uh, there's no big point I'm making other than sure. this is hard work that Elijah's doing. Sure. It is. It is. And I also think I, I think it's important to remember that when we think about somebody c- carrying out the will of God – um, and you know, whether Elijah was directly told he infers this, this is just a general idea that he gets because he's constantly communing with God, whatever, whatever it would may be, whatever it may be as if it wasn't God literally saying exactly, Hey, Elijah do this. And then I will do this. If it's not that, whether it's inclinations or it's, you know, judging like him, just kind of taking a step of faith, um, God could come through and it still not look exactly like how it ended up looking through. Like, so we have this is because it happened in history that this was the only way that God would deliver Elijah and deliver the people, um, from, from the prophets of Baal, but that it didn't have to look exactly like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, I think like with your situation, like where you talk about praying for somebody who was just diagnosed, diagnosed with cancer, um, recognizing that God 
is going to come through. Um, and sometimes it's going to look exactly like how you planned it out to look and how you foresee it coming out. And then a lot of times it's actually not going to look like that. Um, and maybe there's, maybe there's a story in the, in the, in the timeline of the people of Israel where there was a prophet who like, who, who tried something similar to this. And then it, it seemingly didn't work out, seemingly didn't come through. Um, because honestly, now you think about it, like, so, like there were people that loved Yahweh um, and yet the prophets of Baal kept on winning. So obviously there were times where people of Yahweh thought, oh, here is the time where Ahab or here's where the time where the corrupt king comes through and really recognizes who the true God is and who we need to put on high. And obviously that did not happen. It kept on not happening. And yeah, there, there's, there's, a, there's a lot there. Do you have anything else to add to that specific, uh, specific part? So much. Um, yeah, so... No, I, I think that this is the the challenge with this is the challenge we have with all scripture. It's like what piece transfers, mm-hmm. you know, what, what piece, I, I don't think God is calling us, hey, next time you see something going wrong, you simply need to go in and say, hey, you guys built your altar, I'll build mine, we'll take off with that. You know, there, there's, Jesus didn't do that. You know, he mm-hmm. didn't say, hey, you really want to understand stuff? Let's go back to something you know, and I'm going to reproduce it. And so because of Jesus' practice of not, you know, he didn't part seas, for example, and he didn't do a lot of the things the Old Testament uh, prophets did, uh, we don't carry forward that idea in order to be a faithful servant of God, we have to do these things, Mm -hmm. you know? So what is the transferable piece? And I do think it is that, I think two things. One, and, and it's so cliched, it can become white noise to us if we're not careful, but it's important that we really trust ourselves and our real lives to God, not generally speaking. But this conversation I'm having right now, I want to entrust it to God. You know, um, the second piece is God works with what we know. You know, I, I think there's kind of a sense that if I was really walking with God, I'd do all this stuff that I don't even know anything about. Like, like I immediately, you know, magically speak in another language, this kind of thing. And certainly God can use that. But so many times, I would say the majority of times, and I, I offer you, you know, David and Goliath, you know, why not give David a magic sword and, you know, this kind of thing? He used what he knew. And I think we dramatically undervalue the giftedness we bring into situations because they're common to us. Well, all I do is I don't know, cut grass or all I do is, you know, computer programming or all I do is, and God's like, watch me. I mean, I mean, will you entrust this to me? So, so trust your life, but then say, okay, if God gave me these gifts, these connections, these situations, I'm going to trust that he's using them. Yeah. Now, the timing may be instantaneous, fire from the sky, and the timing may take a dozen years. God seems very unconcerned about speed. You know, uh, when it's his time, it's his time, whatever he's going to do. And I, I think that to me is the big takeaway is, okay, entrust myself to him and assume, hey, if he gave me these gifts, these opportunities, he's going to use them, even if I don't see it playing out right in front of my eyes. Yeah, that that's so good. We touched a little bit on it before, but I, I think it's important to just um, to maybe just touch on it a little bit more. So in verse 39, this is right after uh, God has uh, has sent the, the consuming fire to the sacrifice. It says, when all the people saw this, this being um, Yahweh coming through, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God, Yahweh is God. Uh, Then Elijah commanded them, this is immediately after, so the people recognize, like, choose Yahweh after 
after not choosing him, you know, a few verses before this, they choose him. And then Elijah commanded them, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let any of them get away. They seized them. And Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. Um, so I think we had brought up the question before. And I think it's just important to know, like, we can't know the answer. Um, but I think it's important when we assume the assumption I feel like from most of my Bible reading career or history or when I've heard people talk about it is to assume, oh, well, it was a godly person. And so that just must mean that God commanded him to do that. And and so either you have the person that goes, oh, that means God is evil or, oh, that means I need to pretend this verse doesn't exist and we're going to, you know, not we're going to dance around it. Um, but I do think it is an important thing to remind ourselves the uh, there are other options in terms of what is going on in this passage um and they all have interesting ramifications but yeah i just think i just want to put it out there um what i would have read as a kid and i think what was passed down to me would be assume oh because it's a prophet and because it's not directly contradicted that means god is completely okay with what is happening in his name yeah and i i think I, I always go to David in my mind where he is killing the Moabites in this really cruel, like they were already submitted to him and he's killing them and so many situations that show up and you're like, well, you know, I, I think we try to make God's people perfect people. Uh, and even in when, when God exposes areas that are really weak, we kind of, you know, we kind of separate it. Well, yeah, yeah. But, you know, in general, they're perfect, you know, and it's like, no, um, yeah, it, it yes, it held different weight. We value life differently, apparently, than than past eras. But at the end of the day, they're still all made in God's image. They're still mm -hmm. um, they still have a choice. Um, I'm not suggesting it's it's this kind of dynamic that I, I don't know enough about their cultural perspective. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think to be a catalyst in killing 450 people. Um, is, is that my thinking right? Is that yeah, the number there? But yeah, yeah to be a catalyst. I mean, I'm, I don't, I don't see any bearing, which I'm like, I don't see God specifically saying, Hey, you need to kill all these people, you know? Mm -hmm. So could that be a weakness in Elijah? Could it even be why we're going to find him in 18 so shaken? In other words, with the victory, did it kind of mm -hmm. go to his head a little bit? And then when he gets hit in the mouth, like he does in, in the next chapter, I guess, yeah, 19, good. Yeah. Uh, does then he's like, is that why he gets so shaken? You know, he's moved off a little because I know I, I've been in those situations where I really felt like, man, the spirit is God's here. And then I do something later. I'm like, you know, I think it was God. And then it was a little bit of me there. Yeah, I think when you murdered those 400 people, well, I was like, I was like, Jason, that might not be. I don't want to try to keep it to single I digits. Know. <laughs> you know that. But anyway, but yeah, exactly. But it, it's that kind of thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, I think that's there. And, and yeah, I so mean, I, I think the I think the really important part to remind ourselves is that so we don't know exactly what God is, is doing in this moment, but like even in the height of like being connected with God and really in concert with his will and carrying it out and seemingly being like, you know, as like a minister and as a former like pastor being at the forefront of what God is doing in a new thing, the assumption goes because we were so successful or so in concert with, with what God is doing in this one area that the very next thing I'm going to do like is going to come off exactly without a hitch. And I'm going to know exactly what the, the best thing to do is in the next moment because the previous moment I was so in concert with what God was, was up to. Um, and I think, I mean, I don't, I've seen so many people make this mistake, not thankfully not the murdering lots of people or killing or slaughtering or whatever uh, legally you want to you want to talk about it um but this is such a common trap 
where we assume we have this we have this mountaintop experience with God where we got to be a part of something big that he was doing um and then immediately we I, I do this all I do this all the time um with my wife with Hannah and I where we will have like a, an incredible like just like a great weekend where we feel connected where we understand each other where we're not like we're so um so in sync where we know exactly where how our words are going to affect the other person um we're careful we're understanding and then almost always there's some sort of like massive misstep because we feel like oh we've got it figured out we like i know exactly what the right thing i've got i'm going to solve this or i'm going to to be um like i i can i'm going to be the savior in this situation and then inevitably we have like the biggest argument we've had in like a month or two months or three months or however long it would be and i think this is always a good reminder for ourselves um that one like we're always um, even when we're on the mountaintop, Satan never stops coming after us. In fact, sometimes when we are acting in concert and following what God wants us to do, that can that can a lot of times be when we're our most vulnerable, um, because it's so easy for Satan to twist um, the truth, the truth that God is working through us, God is working through us, God is carrying His will out through us, and twist it into a lie, saying you're doing this, you're doing that, you are like you know at whatever whatever the particular lie would be. So I think it's just a personally a good reminder for myself, um, one that that God wants to do powerful things through me, and two, just because I reach the mountaintop doesn't mean that Satan like is taking a break, doesn't mean that I'm impervious to all of the faults I had before I got there. I, that's a, that is tremendous application. One little disclaimer I do want to say, and I think it's clear, but just to make sure, this goes back to the um, did God want uh, Elijah to lead the people to slaughter uh, these prophets. There are clearly times where God's like, clear it out. I need you to kill them all, you know? Uh, so we're not trying, certainly I'm not trying to say God never does that. It, mm -hmm. It's just interesting in times where sometimes David, it's very clear David's supposed to do X. Then there are other times he does stuff and it's mm -hmm. like, I don't know if that's of God or not, you know? And, uh, and I'm, I'm mindful of, yeah, just multiple times in these battles with these with the kings where in general where one time they do it and God's like, absolutely. Then they do virtually the same thing. And he's like, yeah, I'm not with that. Mm -hmm. And the whole takeaway for me is not to say here's the protocol that God follows and whether to kill big amounts of people or not. The the point there is am and it goes to the point you just made. Am I listening to God? I think there's an assumption if God works powerful through me yesterday, then he's wanting to work even more powerfully through me today. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, that, that doesn't seem to be any life in the, in the Bible. You know, that idea that, I mean, when we think about it, how much do we actually witness Abraham doing? 12 hours worth, 14 hours worth, you know, you have a hundred plus years yeah. there. And so I'm like, Maybe, and it's I, I, this is why when the when the apostles come back in in um, Luke ten and they've done all these great things, he's like, yeah, don't focus on the achievements, focus on the fact your your name is written in the book of life. And I think that's the message to me and the safeguard. Just because God used me in some way that was very significant yesterday or a hundred years ago, doesn't mean that it's I'm less now because I'm not involved in what I perceive as significant. Yeah, you know, most faithful people throughout history and in the Bible. Bible history, they, it wasn't like every third day they did something amazing. Yeah. 
you know, and many times they do something amazing at 50 or 80 or 90 and then die, you know, 20 years later, assumedly not having done anything amazing, you know, in that period of time. God is not looking for the achievement. He's looking for the faithfulness. That's good. That's good. And I, I, man, I think, I think that's a good place because we could honestly keep talking about this for ages and, and maybe at some point it'd be really helpful for us to cover a passage where um, it does seemingly say God says kill all these people or what maybe that'd be really helpful for a non-ambiguous passage to process that and to talk about it um but for right now i think there's so much here and we could go on uh there's several things we didn't touch on that we could have um but just for time's sake and and just for the ability to sit with what we've already talked about i think this is a good natural stopping place so next week we'll be uh moving on into first kings chapter 19 and we're just going to cover verses one through nine of that so if you want to go ahead and read that so we can all be on the same page as we walk through it and discuss it as always if you have any thoughts or questions um, or just you know observations on the text or anything we said, we'd love to hear those. You can email us at amazingperplexed at gmail.com or you can uh, send us a message on Facebook or Instagram or um, our cell phones. Most of you probably have our phone numbers. Um, and if not, I assume my phone number is out there from the number of spam calls I get. You could probably purchase it through a <laughs> through a service for a very minimal amount of money um, if my call history is any indication. Anyways, uh, we yeah, we wish you a great week and uh, may God be with you. Grace, peace, and love.